Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Alice Chase. She is a specialist in lifestyle blogging, and we talk about everything you need to know about blogging. This episode was originally recorded a couple years back on a platform called Blab when I hosted a show called The Digital Dish. I pulled it out of the archives because I figured this was still great content and let me just package it together into a social PR secret. Let's welcome Alice. All right, everyone, welcome to The Digital Dish. I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Beyer, and we have a really awesome guest who I will introduce in a couple of minutes. Uh, but thank you guys for um, listening to our podcast and where we talk about social media, PR, the intersection between storytelling and technology. So my name is Carol. I'm the Hispanic Marketing Evangelist for Boom Social. I teach social media. I'm working on some really cool virtual real- Latinos and virtual reality uh, projects. So very excited about that. Uh, and like I said, I'm joined by Lisa. So Lisa, I'll let you intro yourself. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. So my name is Lisa Beyer. I'm the author of Social PR Secrets, and I also teach a class at University of Florida in social media management, which I'm working on right now, my syllabus right here. Um, and I also do social media and public relations consulting. So my angle is how to mix social with um, SEO and public relations and get the most visibility. And happy to be here today and hear all about Alice's secrets on lifestyle blogging and anything else you'll share with us, Alice. Tell us about yourself. Absolutely. So like you said, I'm a lifestyle, family lifestyle blogger. Um, I have my own blog, Thrill of the Chases, which is to play on our last name, Chase. Um, and then I work with brands to help them kind of navigate the live stream space and as they're working with um, influencers and bloggers. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was so happy to have Alice here. I mean, she's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I mean, I love this girl so much. I can't tell you. She's fantastic. And she works, I mean, the work she does with brands is really amazing. So maybe we can start talking a little bit about, Alice, how did you get started with the blog first? How did you start with your blog? And then you obviously started off kind of as a mommy blogger, but then really transitioned into lifestyle family parenting. So um, tell us a little bit about that history. Right. So um, I had really, I had originally worked corporate most all of my life until I, I would say until we had our fourth child, so about 10 years ago, um, and that was just not really doable when we had a family, and I had been keeping a, you know, I had had a family blog, um, a mommy blog, if you will, um, kind of just chronicling all of the different things that we were doing and what that looks like to be a mom, um, and I had a friend of mine who, um, Courtney, and her blog is uh, My Crazy Savings who had quit her job to stay home with her three girls. And I saw her working with brands and um, really making that her job, her career. And she had mentioned to her, I was like, that's very interesting. It was very complimentary of what she was doing. And at the time, so I guess it was about five, um, a little over five years ago, she had said, well, if you're ever interested in, in transitioning your blog, I'd be glad to help you. Well, just being completely naive at that time, I said, oh, no, thank you. You know, I have a real job. And I literally said that I have a real job, you know, (laughs) Um, not understanding what the industry was like at all. And when I decided to leave my corporate setting to transit and I was kind of like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? You know, um, I can't. 
I want to stay home with my kids, but I need to work um, or I want to work, but I, I really do need it to be a viable income if I'm going to do that. And so I kind of came back to her and said, Hey, you know, I see that you're doing this, you know, it's, it is, it is a real job that you've been doing this for several years and, and it's been a viable income for you and providing for your family, great experiences and, um, you know, and financially supporting your family. Would you show me how to do this? You know? Um, wow. And so she was very gracious, you know, and I, and I totally apologized because I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Um, so she kind of showed me what it takes because it isn't just, oh, you have, a, you know, you can write a few words on a website and, and that's a blog. That's not, that's not what this, this industry part of it is about. So what are some of the steps? Tell us that, like, what's a day in the life of with you? A day in life. Oh, mm -hmm. it, there's so many things. I feel like it, it's perfect for my personality because I am a, interested in a variety of things, um, which lifestyle blogging is great. There are more, you know, niches that are, focused um but I love it because it integrates so well with my my kids and what they're interested in and what I'm interested in and we really can pursue those those things so a day a day with us could be building a, a pillow fort and the snacks that we make in the living room or it could be as um you know planned out as a a family road trip and, and different spots along the way, highlighting different hotels and locations and what a budget looks like for that. Um, yeah. Or even working with, you know, automotive, um, covering an auto show or, um, just a variety of things. I saw in your Twitter handles, all the cool places that you've been, um, I think, weren't you in California in Laguna? Yes, absolutely. So I was there for um That's part of your job, right? Mom too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, uh, right? I want I want your job, Alice. Uh, yeah, that's a big part of it. I didn't mention that uh, when we talked when we talked about kind of how I got started. Another big thing is that before I really transitioned my blog from simply mommy blogging to lifestyle blogging, working with brands, is that I made sure that I I did my homework. I went to a lot of the very professional conferences to learn what does this look like? What does this entail? Um, it is a profession, so you need to make sure that you're educated about what you're doing. Smart, smart. And, you know, we, we're kind of kidding. We say, oh, we want your job. We want your job. Because everyone you talk to that travels to all these glamorous places, I mean, it's work, too. It's not like you're just, you know, on the beach sipping cocktails the whole time. I mean, it's you're there to do a job. And it's not just all the, the glam that it looks like it is, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. In the beginning, I, I would say for the very first year of making this my job, um, I got very little sleep, just like you would just as an entrepreneur starting any new business, very little sleep. And especially doing it while I was trying to have young ones at home. So I was still mom during the day. But when they went to bed at eight o'clock, there were times that I would be up from eight to two working, you know, just writing or catching up on emails or whatever, whatever you would do at a day job, I was doing that too. Very, very little sleep. And then up again at, you know, five or six in the morning. So. Well, and I think what you said about going to those conferences and getting educated, I think that that is, I mean, that is amazing advice because you see people trying to jump in and do all these things, but they don't really try to learn the industry. You know, say, so I'm just going to be the blah, 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 blogger, the blah, 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 thought leader without really educating themselves. 
Absolutely. Yeah. The, the education is important. The networking is important, just like you mm-hmm. would do for any other, any other career. Agreed. So, and, and being, being teachable, right? There are people who are in your industry who have done these things for a long time and they have really great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as much as we speak, we should listen. What are some of the things that you do to promote yourself, to get yourself out there and get brands to, to attract, you know, get more brands attracted to you to say, Hey, we want to use you as an influencer. I, I really enjoy the personal um, learning what a brand is about, so which ties into the listening. I think as much as I'm out there pitching and telling people about who I am, I ask, I, I am, I have my ears open to listen, to ask them, okay, well, what is it that you're doing? Is mm-hmm. what you're doing a good match with who I am? Um, authenticity is incredibly important mm-hmm. in blogging um, and in any in industry. You know, you can't, you can't ever buy back your character. That's so true. That is so true. And, and now that we're talking about influence, like how do you define influence? Because people always think it's like about the numbers of followers or things like of that nature. Like how do you define influence? How do I define influence? Okay. That's a hard um, one. I didn't do that one. <laughs> that is a tough one. I think we're, we are all influential in a certain, in a certain, in a certain circle. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and sometimes those circles overlap. Um, I think influence is when you're able to tell a story, whatever that is, whether it's a product, whether it's about your life, and it you find that it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. I had an instance recently, um, I had been writing for a company, and um, I was pitching another client, and we were talking about something completely different, something, just social media, they're looking for a strategy for something, and then they were kind of doing their background research on me, which I so appreciate. And they came to me and they had seen something on the blog and they said, it was a completely different industry, not anything they were interested in. They said, what you do for them, we want you to do that for us because Mm -hmm. that story resonates. So I think when you're able to tell something, and even if it's something completely unrelated to what someone is looking for, but it resonates with them, that's when you can define your influence. I, I think also that's a great, great way to describe it. And I don't think it's a number game. I think that you could have you know, a hundred followers and still be influential if, as long as those 100 followers are um, quality followers that are following you for a specific reason. And I mean, we see a lot of the early adapters of Twitter that, um, you know, they have hundreds of thousands of followers, but who are they, you know, and are they really, is it really worth tapping into that audience? That's a huge audience, but we're not really sure if that's a quality audience, right? So I think it really boils down to the whole whole quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And when you see, you know, it's, we can all look at someone and see whether or not they're getting engagement. Are people really asking questions? And how Mm -hmm. many, there is the question for me of how many people can you really engage with, right? How many people can, you may have thousands and thousands of followers, but how many are you Mm -hmm. able to connect back with? We only have 24 hours in a day. That's so true. And you know what? I had someone once tell me that uh, brands weren't going to take me seriously until I had at least 30,000 followers. And then when you hit 100,000, that's when they really take you seriously, at least on Twitter. And I was like, really? I, really? Mm-hmm. So I was just you know, like, I, I was like, that is such a, like a numbers game that this person was playing, mm-hmm. you know? Completely. I know. And I think that that was very true maybe a couple of years ago, but yeah. I think that they're seeing, just what you said, Kathy, I think that they're seeing that 
that isn't always what matters. Mm -hmm. You know, can you tell an authentic story? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can remember, Kathy, the same thing, being stressed out about people saying the same thing about the number of Twitter followers. And I just, you know, what I wasn't at a place in my life where I could be doing what these other people were doing to get these like huge masses of followers a day back in the day. Um, so I remember being stressed out about that, but it made me realize when I started my, um, I started my Twitter handle from my class that I'm teaching at UF and mm-hmm. I, I, st- I started it two years ago. So it was really kind of cool to start something from scratch and really build a quality following. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I enjoy that Twitter handle more than my own because my own is just, it's, I mean, it's a lot of people from a lot of different places and it's harder to manage when it's so large versus if you start out like really focused which is, was hard to do when Twitter first came out. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Because I was on Twitter back in 2007. And then I was on the, I, I was actually like, I was, I was trying to be a mommy something. I don't even know what that was back <laughs> in the day. And um, it was Kathy PR mom. That was my name back then. And then I changed it to the mommy sphere. And I took a break after 2012. I left Twitter. And then I opened a new account and this is the one I've grown like since then. So See, wasn't, it, wasn't it better? Yeah, it was so much better because I knew yeah. I kind of had a better idea of like, okay, what am I, what am I trying to do? Who, I, who, who do I want to connect with? So it's been interesting. But um, Alice, I wanted to ask you also and about, you know, sometimes I think, you know, people ask the question, is there oversaturation in the lifestyle parenting or even in the mommy blogger world, is there still a chance for someone new to come in and and really crush it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, you know we do a lot of comparing, um, kind of like Lisa said. Okay, what are they doing? What you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's completely normal. Um, but we all have our own circle and your own perspective. Nobody can tell the story that you can tell. So I think there's you know. There's and there's so many niches, that. I think, too. I think if you really drill down to a lifestyle niche, whether it's you're focusing on a certain, you know, age group or certain, you know, let's say just lifestyle and shoes or something like that, you know, something where it's really separating you out. Right. Lifestyle and gaming. I totally I mean, agree. Just, there's so many different ways you can slice it and dice it so that you stand out. Right? Absolutely. Who are some of the lifestyle bloggers that you look up to that you say, you know, these people are really amazing? Oh, goodness. Um, There's so many. There's so many. Uh, Let's see. Some that I really, really love. Let me think. Um, So after Miranda, Mm -hmm. she's my all-time girl crush, I think, um, who I'm going to get to see her this week. I'm excited about that. Yeah. um, Then let's see. Love Brown Sugar is another one who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina, she is just absolutely killing it with style and fashion and still being a mom and traveling. Um, who else? Oh, there, there really are so many. There mm-hmm. really are, are just so many. What are some do's and don'ts you can share about being a lifestyle blogger? Don't compare yourself to others. Don't, don't, don't get into the game of looking at, there is, okay let's be real. There is some validity to the numbers, right? Like you, there's some of that. Um, but don't, don't get jealous. If you see someone who are, are going on these fabulous trips or they're working with certain companies, always be excited for them. Someone else's mm-hmm. success never negates your own. 
There's not this finite amount of success that's out there in the world. Um, so be genuinely happy for people, support other people. Um, if you have very, if you have smaller numbers, that doesn't mean that you cannot in some way be supportive of someone who has larger numbers. And then as you're growing, always have someone that you're mentoring, I think, and make sure you're listening to those that have been doing it for a while. Um, and then keep your authentic voice. Do you ever have any disasters or do you ever have any like spammer or haters that come around and just, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I maybe have let, I, I've heard a lot of stories, but I think that I have somehow less than most. Um, okay. I don't have a ton, but as, with anyone who is doing no, it's something just like successful from a or doing something standpoint. I mean, people can have haters and be crushed by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can be. Um, and I think not, that's, they let it, they let it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not super sensitive to words. I'm just not words per, like I like words, but someone's, um, you know, compliments or criticisms of me. I know that they don't define who I am. So that's not a big thing for me. I think it's just knowing that being confident in what you put out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, was, uh, the other day, you know, when, if you're, when you're cut up in social media, you're looking at everyone's Facebook page and it looks so amazing and everyone has an amazing life and blah, blah, blah. And you're going to get into this fear of missing out, you know, this FOMO. Um, I had uh, one of our friends post something called Jomo. He stole it from someone's, he didn't steal it, but he borrowed it from someone's Instagram. It's the joy of missing out. And I'm like, you are so darn right. Because sometimes we get so cut up in like, okay, if this person's doing this, then I need to do this. And it's like, no, it, you know, it's like you said, Alice, you have to be happy for other I people. That. So that, yeah. And especially with women, I think we need to lift each other up instead of like trying to, you know, hurt each other, bring every, bring each other down. Right. Absolutely. That, that is one of the greatest things. Um, that I've, I've been able to find in the circle is that it is so supportive. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of find your tribe of people and that's what keeps it fun, even after doing it for several years. Yeah. So Nava's, Nava's, Nava's writing beside girl power. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At your conferences, you have, um, you, I'm sure you meet circle, you create circles of support that, you know, you know, you, people you can go to for any time to kind of get advice from, is, you know, from a mentoring standpoint, I'm sure it goes both ways, right? You're mentoring and then you can reach out or reach up to somebody that is, has been in it longer than you have. Absolutely. And there's some really great um, online networks too that are helpful. So like the mom Two community is absolutely fantastic. Um, Sits Girls is another one that I would highly recommend anyone um, who's interested in blogging or looking for like educational resources for that. I would definitely recommend Sits Girls is, is perfect for someone, especially who's just starting out. That's the, awesome. Um, the CEO of Sway Group, I think they bought Sits Girls. She was a speaker at one of the conferences I went to, Danielle. She was amazing. And she told some great stories about the whole mommy blogger community. And she was all actually saying how just the fact that um, mommy blogging has had to kind of reinvent itself and come mm -hmm. really get find more specific niches than just a mommy blogger, which it sounds like you've done. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. I, Danielle's fantastic. The, the whole Sway group is, is great. 
So are you more, I guess you're more obviously in the, in the travel. So you do a lot of travel. You do a lot of like things with hotels. You do a lot of travel. And I know you do some amazing stuff with automotive. Uh, automotive. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Um, well, I think that just all, I think all brands are really looking at different ways of marketing right now. So whether it's blogs and anyone who has a blog probably has a pretty good amount of social influence. You know, they're probably on all platforms that are out there. And I think brands are looking to reach beyond what has been traditional marketing. So, um, and they're interested in hearing our stories now too, and finding people, to, different people to work with. Well, I was reading a really good article on something, uh, it, the rise of the micro-influencer and how a lot of people are now are making decisions, not, not on what Kim Kardashian's telling them, but on what, you know, someone that is, is an influencer, but let's say on a smaller level is telling them, like, they feel it's more authentic than, you know, um, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this Scott, Scott Disick, like left some information in his Instagram and he was supposed to in a picture. Yes. Yes. I so do. it was like, oh my gosh, you know, you knew it was not authentic. I mean, you kind of knew it, but that time it was like really unveiled. It definitely was not authentic. So I think that that's right. where, where, you know, people that are micro influencers or influencers on a, on a different level have a lot of power and a lot of, you know, power for the brands. You know, when you meant there, there is there, once you have built up this plot, you know, this, this stage for yourself, you have to make sure that you're authentic or that can be gone in an instant. Mm -hmm. Right. If that's what you're so, all about is being an influencer, you have to be authentic. And if for whatever reason you're not like, it sounds like whatever Scott did, I didn't see it, but um, it's going to blow your cover. He I literally left, he didn't have a cover actually. <laughs> he didn't have a cover. I mean, he literally yeah. left the instructions that the, you know, PR or marketing person told really? him what to write on Instagram. It was so yeah, bad. It, it was a copy paste for sure. Oh my God. Well, my daughter who's 14, she'll be 14 tomorrow. She is, she watches all the different little niche YouTube shows that are, you know, not the Kardashians, but mm -hmm. these girls that are Gabby, I think she, I can't remember any of the names now, but that's how she decorates her room. That's how she picks out the product she wants. It's all influenced by the YouTubers that she's watching. And they're going to have a meetup in Orlando and she wants to go see them. So, I mean, they're not huge. I don't, I can't remember their name, but she knows their name and that's what she's watching versus mainstream TV. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. huge for that generation. I was going to ask you that because you've got, I guess, one of your kids, the oldest one is what, a millennial or is he a Gen C? He, so we have our, uh, we have 18, 17, 12 and 10. Mm -hmm. are the so, you know, you're, I'm sure your kids are watching the YouTube channels, the YouTube they are, channels. Yeah. Yeah. probably are YouTube stars. Are they, they are, um, the honest, uh, some, some, our youngest is the one who's the most interested in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. He has a, he has a huge passion for like photography and film. So it intrigues him the most. So he's got a great mentor right there with you. <laughs> you can you can show him everything you know. And what are you seeing from your kids? Like what things are you seeing from them? Because you've got a quite a range there of ages. You're seeing a lot of different ways they're using technology and they're consuming content. What are you seeing, Alice? Well, so it's very interesting, you know, and I don't know if their perspective is skewed because they've seen seen the behind the scenes of what I'm doing and, mm -hmm. and all of how that works. Um they are more, they pay attention to, like you said, micro influencers more often because they are more skeptical of what's being pushed through television or commercials or, you know, print advertising. They, 
they have in the back of them, they're a little bit critical. Mm -hmm. And then, so they want to hear from a real person. You, mm -hmm. you really just, you can't fool them. So you can't, you know, you so can't true. say, oh, everything is fabulous and it's fantastic. They want to hear the parts of, oh, you know, I didn't really, they want to hear the little criticisms of, well, I love this, but I didn't like this. So you've got to be honest. My daughter literally reads every, before she buys anything, she reads all the reviews on that, whether it's a shirt or a pair of jean shorts, anything. She'll read all the reviews and then make a decision. And if, you know, if the bad, if, you know, if the bad outweigh the good, then that's that. But she does not buy anything without reading the reviews. That's, That's pretty, amazing. Which I never did before. I mean, I, I do it every once in a while, but I probably five years ago, I didn't pay as much attention to it as I do now. That's crazy. Well, the Kardashians almost sold, sold me a car, so. <laughs> did they? <laughs> That's a long story. Yeah, but um, I, I just had my oh. baby and uh, I had my baby and I was transitioning from two kids to three kids. And all of a sudden, I'm, one of those lazy Sunday afternoon, I'm watching TV in front of TV waiting for what do you one of my shows to come up and it's like Kardashians was on me and I'm watching it and all of a sudden I'm like wait a second Courtney's got three kids I'm like and she's driving a car I'm like huh I wonder what kind of car she's got you know and it definitely was not a minivan because you're not going to catch her driving a minivan and all of a sudden they they take a shot of the car I'm like it's a Cadillac and then it's like I figured out I googled and it's a Cadillac Escalade and it had all the information <laughs> and I'm like oh my gosh no I haven't bought it I really want one though but <laughs> But no, I still get the um the calls from both of my daughters about the Kylie lipstick or the Kardashians oh. lipstick that keeps selling out like every time it's out. So, I mean, I think the high level, you know, celebrity influencers are still there. They're still there and influencing. Oh, I would say that too. I mean, I watch um, Kylie on Snapchat all the time. So I'm fully aware of what new colors are coming out, which is not. <laughs> Did you get you know, it? Did you get the lipstick? I didn't. It sold. It sold out. Oh, I know. <laughs> it sold out. <laughs> <laughs> second. Yeah. Uh, so that's funny. So you I mean, have to let us so know if you get it. Or... Okay, I'll let you know. No, but I think yeah, we're exposed to all of those things, but through through social, different different influencer platforms. Definitely. So, so what's your you favorite know, platform? Oh, my favorite. I'm having the most fun on Snapchat right now, but I can't say that there's just one that I love. I. You know, Facebook is do, kind of doing it all right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I spend, I spend a lot of time there. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of engagement that's happening. So, but I do love live video. I, yeah, we met in I live think, video. I mean, Alice and I connected through live video. Yeah, so. and you know, so I would say that I love live video for the engagement, for the in mm -hmm. real life connection. There are people that I've, that are my real friends who I get together with um, because of that. So I think I love each one for different reasons, kind of like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick a favorite. That's a perfect way to put it. <laughs> uh, we have some questions here. Are they, how do you feel about Facebook predicting the end of the written word and moving to video only? Hmm. That's a good question. Yikes. That is a good question. Um, I don't think that it will ever go away. I don't. I think that there will, I think there is an art and a craft to writing and there will be part of us who will always want to read. I hope, I really hope that there is always a part of us who wants to read the written word. I hope there, there are those who always want to create music, who want to create beautiful pieces of art. And I, I think that I relate the written word to that. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't see, I just see it as just another dimension and communication and it's probably going to morph into something that we can't really predict. But I mean, it's like when, you know, people were predicting that books would be obsolete because of digital when people are still buying books and bookstores are now starting to reopen <laughs> brick and mortar bookstores are starting That's to so come true. back. That's so true. Um, and I just read an article about um, just the whole thing with brick and mortar making a comeback like Warby Parker, which started online and now they're opening up stores. So it's, I think it's just a cycle. I don't know if we can say one is going to replace another. It's probably just going to cycle out just like fashion. I'm looking at things that are coming back in fashion, you know, just things come back. Completely. Record players. Well, even books. music, you know, Kathy, you're mentioning, you know, my 18 year old, all the music that he listens to right now is on vinyl. It's all records again. Right. That's a, oh my gosh. We're so nostalgic, you know, completely. and cassettes. Like I'm not back. Cassettes? They're, they're obsessed with cassettes. He, he probably gets like one a week in the mail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just um, it's so cool. And yeah. Are they, are people starting to manufacture cassettes again or they're, he's buying them off eBay or. Uh, so I think original. mostly he's getting them from eBay. He gets, a, he gets a lot of packages from London. Um, hmm. so I don't, yeah, that, I don't know. I think though the vinyl, I think that is, is being manufactured. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's See, so everything cool. comes full circle, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the Teletubbies are back. I was like, my kids are not going to watch the Teletubbies. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> No, no, no. I will not be nostalgic about that at all. No. Mm. <laughs> so where are you off to next, Alice? What's next for you? So I'll be here. Uh, I'll be in New York for a few more days. And then after that, I'll be home for a couple of weeks. And after that, I'm going, I'm doing another, I'm doing an automotive launch um, in Oregon. Ooh, that sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah. So that'll be fun. That's actually really fun. So it's a um, women's only off-road drive event. Sounds very cool. Yeah, so we'll do that. And then um, San Diego is coming later this summer. I'm doing something with Kia. So that'll be fun. Now, do you bring your kids with you? Sometimes I do. Um, The automotive trips, I don't. It's not conducive um, for kids. Like Kathy said, you know, it would be a whole lot to travel with car seats and um, that kind of stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, that stuff is just usually me. Um, But there there will be some summer travel with them. Good, good. Well, whatever you do, safe travel. And I think Nava has one last question. It says, do you ever request brand guidelines from companies that you work with? If so, what would you request from a company or brand on brand guidelines? That's a good question. Usually those are given. Like if you're, if you Mm -hmm. um, are contracted to do something, they are, there will be certain things that the, um, that the company will give you to, you can, you can say this, you can't say this, you must disclose every time you work with a brand, you, you must disclose that you're being paid or it's a sponsored activity and that kind of thing. Um, Has so, there ever been yes, an instance where you've been just, no, I'm not doing that. Or that's like not my brand. You know, that's not who I am. So I can't, that wouldn't be authentic for me. Absolutely. There, if, um, there was a time where I was doing a fitness series and I was really looking into nutrition and I was approached by several supplement companies and there were ingredients in them that I couldn't endure. I mean, they were, I couldn't endorse, um, you know, there are times where there may be, you know, someone else working on a project and maybe like you said, it's a celebrity influencer and it doesn't fit with who I am, or it's not something that I feel like I can support. I, I very much honor my audience and those who follow me, um, to never, you know, so I want to tell that the story that's true. 
for me. And not that, not that if someone else tells that story that it's bad, it's just not a good fit for me. Right. And that's kind of the beauty of being able to do this is I get to say, yes, I want to do that. No, I don't. That's really awesome. I have one more question. I know we're kind of running out of time, but so do you have somebody that is kind of your gatekeeper that says, okay, you know, these, this, this Alice would like this, but no, I already know she's not going to like this. Or do you just take all the, are you on the front lines? I'm on the front lines. I still, um, I still do all of that, all of the sorting out. Mm -hmm. I answer all the, all of my emails and that kind of thing. Is there, do you work with, um, so you mentioned um, the Sway Group, do you work with companies that that's what they specialize in and they refer you to the brands or do brands come to you directly? Yeah, no, well, I, I do both. So okay. I work with brands directly and then I'm also part of several networks that if they're working on a project, um, I'll become part of that campaign, sure. And do the networks, like how do you go about um, taking on one of those networks? Do they approach you or can you approach them? And would so you you'll... make any recommendations to which networks? Um, usually it's worth how to work with a network. They'll, they'll have a, you can kind of apply and you're like in a directory of, the, you know, you've got all of your numbers and, um, those things. So they can contact you if they say, Hey, this would be a really great fit for you, or they'll put something out to please apply for this campaign. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and then usually there'll be a, a descriptor of why do you want to work on this campaign? Why do you think that it's a good fit? And you kind of talk, talk that way. Yeah. So there's a selection process. Awesome. Well, Alice, awesome. thank you so much. Do we have any other questions, Kathy? Anything else? No, I don't think so. I think we hit our time. And uh, Alice, thanks so much for joining us, Lisa. Thanks so much for thanks so much for being here with me, co-hosting co every Thursday. <laughs> so thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy your time in New York. I mean, enjoy. I know you're working, but you're also going to take some time for yourself, which I think is wonderful. So enjoy yeah, that. it's going to be, it's a, this trip is a fun trip. I'm glad that I've got it, you know, a little bit of time afterwards to have some fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And Lisa, who do we have next week? Can you next tell us? week? Yes, we have Charlie Gilkey up for next week. He's my business coach and he's going to be talking about all the different strategies for um, business coaching and, you know, just asking questions. Basically a 30 minutes of free, ask a business coach, any, anything. So awesome. tune in. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com free.